feel like Philip and I should high-five when we're passing each other there. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Bless the speaking and the hearing of your word. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As you heard the start of Psalm 65, the psalmist says, Silence is praise to you, O Lord. Silence is praise to you. When was the last time you experienced sustained silence? And don't worry, I'm not going to do the awkward pause thing in the sermon. Just asking you about that. When was the last time you just felt like you had no noise in life? Probably hard to pin down, I would imagine, because life is really noisy, actually. There's a lot of noise that we experience in our lives. There's just the general hum of things at play. And I was thinking about this uh, this last week because I'm, uh, I'm a Star Trek nerd. I grew up watching the, the next generation, you know, with Picard, who's the Frenchman with a British accent. Go figure. All right. But I, I remember watching these, these shows and, uh, and all of the different uh, series that they ran. And I could always tell, even before I've heard dialogue or the music score or anything, I could close my eyes and tell you that I was hearing a Star Trek show. Do you know why? Because they always built in this low hum sound in the show. I think it was supposed to be the, the hum of the ship or the space station. And so if, if you go back, some of you guys will immediately understand, and some of you guys are like, why are you telling us about Star Trek? But you can go back and watch these things, and you, there's always this, this sound. I think they realize there's a lot of dialogue in Star Trek and people could get bored, so we might as well just put some sound in there. And maybe that's how we feel about things. There's just this kind of a general hum. You know, if you're in your house, maybe you hear the fridge going uh, or the furnace kicking on and off. If you live near uh, a busy road, you can tell immediately when you're near it and when you're far away from it. I've been, uh, this last week I was traveling, and so I've spent a lot of time in airports, and you just hear the constant noise of the airport, right? People walking around, the people movers doing their thing, the ding of folks being checked in uh, to get on to the plane, the announcements. No, the white zone is for loading and unloading of passengers. You can go watch airplane if that uh, uh, tripped off for you there, right? So you got all these announcements, you got all this hum, you've got all this noise in life. There's just kind of an underlying noise in our lives. And it's not just um, those spaces. We also often seek it in our lives. We want, we want some noise in our lives. Sometimes we are uncomfortable with silence. I remember my uh, grandpa, uh, they lived in southwest Michigan, and we would go visit them on a pretty regular basis. And he had one of these old, um, massive plasma TVs. And you guys remember with the plasma screen TVs that uh, if, if something on the picture was left there too long, it would get frozen onto the screen. And on his TV, I won't say which uh, news, 24-hour news station he was on, but you could see it emblazoned in the corner of his television that he had always had that on. And I knew uh, Grandpa Harvey was not watching 24-hour television, but he always wanted it 
on. So whether he was watching it or whether it was in the background, he obviously was not comfortable with absolute quiet. He wanted some sound on in the background. My kids do the same thing. Whenever we get into the car, what's the first thing they ask? Music. Turn on some music and I want to pick it, right? (laughs) So that's what they're doing. We, We seek out noise often in our lives. We're uncomfortable a lot of times with silence. And so if it's not just the hum of, of life, we will seek to create some, uh, some noise. And then there's just the human chatter. My, I, was, I saw my folks last week uh, in Arizona, and my dad had been reminiscing about you know, people he had worked with uh, there when we lived in Phoenix. And he had this one boss, Dick DeAngelis, who he said was, had the art of using silence. So he would be, they would be in a car together, some issue had arisen in the job, and Dick would just, when was the last time you sat in silence with somebody? And what was being communicated with the silence? <laughs> it's an interesting thing. We, we don't feel comfortable with, I know I don't, I, I, I'm usually the, the chatterbox, I'm ready to talk, and I don't know where my kids get it from, but... I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to fill the space. And so we have this kind of, this human chatter just fills all the spaces that we're in. In fact, on my travels, I got stuck in Denver. And so I had to spend an evening in a hotel. And I immediately was kind of like, I missed the the noise of my kids, right? Or the busyness of other people around me. And so we want to fill those spaces up in, in, when we're experiencing silence. When are we actually silent in our lives. I mean, outside of when we have moments of silence in church, when are we actually silent? I think there's a few spaces where this occurs for us. One space where we might actually be silent is when we are in awe. So last weekend, I was out in the uh, Sonoran Desert. This is Arizona Desert, high desert. And I met some friends out there to do a 24-hour mountain bike race. I know this sounds kind of crazy. I didn't ride the whole time. Uh, you take turns doing this. But one of the laps that I did was at midnight. So I got up, got myself ready, got the bike, put lights on the bike, and you go out and ride the, the lap. It takes an hour or so uh, to get around the course, and you do it at night. And it was the most magical experience I've had in a long time because you go out there, there's no clouds. There, there wasn't a moon out that night, so it was darker. And along the lap, even though it was a race, I had to stop and turn my, my lamps off uh, from the bike and my helmet and just look up at the stars, seeing the Milky Way, and just pausing in awe of God's creation. And people, whether they recognize God at, or not, they often do find themselves having these types of experiences when the noise has been stripped away and you're just faced with the enormity of God's creation, of what he has done, right? The psalmist says, you've created all of this and yet you still think of me, right? What an amazing thing. So sometimes when we are in awe, we'll actually be silent for once. Another place that we might be silent is when we face hardship, when we face hardship. 
One of the things, uh, my dad is such a socialite that when we were in Arizona together, he needed to get together with people that he used to work with. They don't live there anymore, so who he used to work with. And one of the individuals we got together with was the son of a coworker of his. The coworkers uh, died many years ago, and so they wanted to visit with, he wanted to visit with his son. And we're chatting with them. I don't know, this is the first time I've meeting him. And uh, we're chatting with him about, you know, his reminiscences of his dad and what it's like growing up there and what he's doing professionally and how his grown children are doing. And then at one point in the conversation over this very pleasant lunch, nice weather sitting outside, getting to know each other, he says, yeah, my wife and I are currently going through a divorce. We don't know what to tell, say to him. We don't know him that well. Does he want us to say something? Do we, does he want consolation? Is he wanting to move on fast and get through the topic? We don't, we don't really know. And you know that type of silence as well. Like Job's friends, I mean, we give them a hard time because they, they say too much eventually, but they spend seven days with Job before they talk in the midst of his suffering. And we know that too. When we're with someone we love who is suffering in some way, maybe it's with addiction, maybe it's mental illness, maybe it's a physical thing that they're suffering through, and we just don't know what to say. We're just silent with them. It feels kind of powerless, right? But God says, silence is praise to him. And Paul tells us that when we don't even know what to speak, the Spirit intercedes on our behalf. And I think this is true not just between us and God, but between one another in these spaces, that the Spirit fills that silence for us. So sometimes we're silent in awe. Often we are silent in the midst of hardship or suffering. And I think we're also silent in guilt, in our guilt. We have a, a built-in moment of silence when we confess our sins, right? We have that quiet space, and who knows where our minds are wandering in that, in that space there. But you know when you have felt really ashamed of something that you've said or done, and you can't even form the words for the apology. Silence, right? Silence in our guilt. The psalmist puts it this way. He says that we all arrive at God's doorstep sooner or later. We are all facing the reality of our lives, right? Of our brokenness. And he says, silence is praise. Silence is praise? Have you ever thought of it like that? It feels more like smallness or resignation or loss. But the psalmist is pointing us to something very profound about what God does and how he receives such smallness and resignation and loss. We're told that God displays his grace and power in all of it. You heard Philip read there in the psalm that, that he tames the storms of, of the creation, right? That he quiets the mob. Maybe sometimes you feel like uh, a lot of the noisiness in life is just all of the talking heads, not just on television or radio or stuff like, but just in your life, right? People trying to kind of shape what, who you're supposed to be and what you did right or wrong. You get all of these different noisy mobs, opinions. Right? Everyone's got an opinion about what you should be doing or what you shouldn't be doing, right? And there's just noise, 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 noise. Everybody's coming at you. And the psalmist says that God quiets the mob, right? He silences it. 
psalmist says that God even silences the accuser that comes from our own hearts. That God takes our sin and he wipes it away once and for all. Once and for all. This is what God does. He silences. This is his power and grace for us. And then God comes in the smallness. You know, I think about that a lot of times when we are caught up in awe of things. You can be kind of excited about this or you can realize, man, who, who am I, right? I'm, I'm here today and gone tomorrow, right? I will die and be forgotten. This is true. Maybe, maybe my kids will remember me, maybe my grandkids, but eventually I'm going to be lost to history, right? And God embraces that smallness with us. Think about this. Silent night, silent night, God comes to us. In quiet and in repose, Jesus goes into the wilderness and he prays for his disciples, for his followers, for you and me. Jesus is silent before his accusers, before he goes to the cross. God embraces our smallness and works in the midst of it. And Jesus whispers through that work a word that is greater than the noisiness of the world. He says, blessed are you. He says, welcome home. God's grace and his power are displayed even in silence. And even when you don't know what to say to God's grace or how to respond to it, this is always a a challenge for us. I feel like a lot of times, especially in the church world, we will emphasize the grace of God and then we're going to spend a lot of time telling you how you should react to it, (laughs) how you should feel about it, how you should respond to it, what you're supposed to do, right? And the psalmist is saying, even when you don't know what to say, that silence is praise to God, right? He sees the prayer in all of it. How do I wrap up a sermon about being quiet or about silence? I was um, at the Denver airport. I got two bonus days in Denver this last week coming home, um, thanks to the snow. And uh, I was sitting at the airport on Thursday working on this sermon, trying to finish it up and thinking about silence and, you know, how God receives even kind of our inability uh, to to present something to him, to bring something to him. And I'm in the noisiest space you can be in, in the airport. I mean, I'm just about to board, actually. I'm in the C group, so I got a little ways to wait. But I'm waiting, and I'm hearing the dings, and I'm hearing the announcements, and I'm hearing the chatter of people and the clanging of dishes and glasses at the little restaurant that's right there. It's, it's a noisy space. I am not out in the desert having my moment with the Lord. It's, it's noisy. And then it, Cutting through all of that noise, I hear a song over the speakers in the building. And it's a song by this group uh, called Mumford and Sons. They were very popular some years ago. And not a Christian, I mean, they're Christians, but it wasn't like they were playing the Christian radio. They weren't playing Air One at the airport, right? <laughs> there is just, this is just a popular level song. And the, the song itself is called I Will Wait which is a psalm, right? The, the artist is saying to the Lord, uh, I, I come home and I'm guilty and you remove my sin, right? He says that we have seen 
you, right? We've seen Jesus, therefore we've seen the Father, and you let go of all, the, all of the things that you have for us, that we might belong to you forever. And it's in this song, he's basically saying he doesn't know what to do with what God has done for him. And so his conclusion is, I will wait, right? I will wait. And so even if you're thinking, oh man, well, I got to find more quiet time for myself. Notice that I didn't have any quiet time and God still broke through, right? Broke through that noise with his word and with his promise in the least expected of places and ways. And we're going to conclude the sermon. Just I made Juliet uh, do this for me because I didn't want to just tell you lyrics to a song. So she's going to sing a portion of that song for us. And that's how we'll wrap. I came home Like a stone And I fell heavy Into your arms These days of dust which we've known will blow away with this new sun I will wait I will wait for you I will wait I will wait for you So break my step And relent You forgave And I won't forget Know what we've seen And Him with less